I imagine I'm sitting across the table from someone in a really crowded street. I'm, I go to Europe a lot, so I imagine I'm sitting in like a little cafe, people just walking by cramped little streets. Yeah. And I, and I have like an elevator pitch moment where I have to tell them what this product does and its benefits and keep their attention while all these people and cars and noises are going by us. What's up, everybody? Armand here, back with another awesome episode. Today's guest, we have Ryan Love. He's the founder of Love Language Media, and he is a master with words. He's a copywriter. And uh, we talk about the origins of the company name, his name, pretty cool last name, Love. Uh, we talk about writing and how it serves as, he said this really cool thing, it's the physical manifestation of thinking. And I think that's so cool because that's a big part of why I enjoy journaling is because I, you know, you, you're thinking all the time and your thoughts get all cluttered and messy up there in your head. And when you write it out and journal it, you get to see those thoughts and then you get to kind of converse with them in a way. And that's that's part of why I like it. I totally agree with what he said. Um, we talk about how he grew up with two autoimmune diseases and how he manages to manage them and live with them every day and he seems very healthy now and it's it's been a journey for him and that's another thing that we talk about that was really cool uh we talk about turning your gifts into a passion so a lot of people believe you know follow your passions i have this friend who said a really funny thing um he said everybody always tells me to follow my passions but my passion is rock climbing and they don't make shit and that's kind of how it goes people tell shout out chuck people tell you to follow your passions all the time Ryan has a different take. He says you should turn your gifts into a passion. And that's, I mean, without, I, did, I haven't had the words, but that's exactly what I like doing. And that's kind of how I live my life. Um, so, yeah, I, I had a lot in common with Ryan. I really like talking to him. Uh, this is a really awesome episode. I know I'm going to hang out with him when I'm up in San Francisco. And if any of you guests, lovely listeners, not guests, any of you lovely listeners are located in the San Francisco area. I'm going to be there October through December. So yeah, let's meet up. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Play Hard Podcast. Work hard, play hard, work hard, play hard, work hard, play hard, work hard, play hard. So you kind of understand the concept where a lot of people say they want to do something, but don't actually take the steps forth to do it yeah i always say like if you ever want to start your own thing or pursue your own like honestly anything right if you want to like just you know do the nine to five corporate thing if you want to start your own thing if you want to you know be start creative and be an artist and start a podcast do anything you are going to be working your ass off for at least a year with absolutely zero results and nothing to show for it <laughs> and it's going to drive you insane but that's where you like that's where the secret sauce is. You know what I mean? You yeah. know, a year if if things work well, like you could yeah. you could be doing. Depends on the industry. My the listeners would know because I mentioned this damn near every episode. But my brother's a musician, and yeah. he has like in the past really month, honestly, started seeing some like real traction. Started having like labels reach out, have all this thing working out. Uh, but he's been producing since he was eleven. And he's been publishing mm -hmm. since he was like 14 or 15. So mm -hmm. a lot of people see it. He's like 24. Uh, and they're, they're like, oh, you're so young. Or like his peers, like, how did this start working out for you? But like, I know, because I mean, I live with him and he's my brother. He's like, damn, bro, this shit took forever. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the 10,000 hours thing, right? It takes 10,000 hours yeah. to be a master at something. It's something yeah, like that. I saw one of my favorite memes that I've been, I actually just had a conversation with my 
two brothers about this the other day is you know that like bell curve IQ meme where it's like mm-hmm. the simpleton and then the Jedi master and then in the middle it's like the frustrated person. We were talking about why that happens. Like how is it that someone who's like so experienced and then someone who doesn't really know much, how do they come to the same conclusions? It's like the difference is they've been through the whole middle, the frustrating part. They've tried so many different things and realized like, oh, it really is this simple, like, I'll do what works for me. And I know why the other things don't work for me. Yeah, it's it's that. And you only get there when you don't give up. Mm. The, the people that end up in the middle are the people that stop and say, you know what? I can't deal with this. I need stability. I'm just going to do my thing. And just kind of skate, which is fine. If that's the life you want to live, I'm not here to judge anybody, right? But the people that end up in that sort of Jedi master zone, they just don't stop. Even if they fail a thousand times, it only takes one time to succeed. Yeah. Right? And I and I would argue it's because not ju- only is failure not an option, but they don't do it for the success at the same time. Like mm-hmm. a lot of times, you know, one thing I really like, you're a writer. I'm sure even if, if this is something you truly love, even if there was no money in it, you would just write like that's kind of how it is. Oh yeah. I've, I've, it's the 10,000 hours thing. I, I mean, is this where we're going to get into the personal backstory stuff? <laughs> yeah. I was about to, I was about to, you know, meander that into the intro. <laughs> yeah. Let's do it. Um, so for me, you ever heard of that saying you shouldn't follow your passions. You should follow your talent. You no, know, but it's kind of how I live my life. Yeah, it's like everyone in a way, everybody, like literally everybody is naturally gifted and good at something that and better at something that nobody else that they know is naturally gifted and good at. Yeah, I don't know why it is, but everyone always has that thing. If you know, there's the sort of line of thinking where if you want to be successful financially, at least follow that. Right. I remember I think I saw Steve Harvey give a talk. He said, if you're the best damn landscaper that you know and you start a landscaping business, you'll be a millionaire. Right. Something along those lines. So for me, writing was a gift that turned into a passion. I, I mean, going back as far as I can remember, like to the point with your brother and music. When I was in fifth grade, there was like an after school gifted program thing that they put me in and there was like a pseudo like school newsletter newspaper thing right yeah started with that middle school school newspaper did that high school same thing won some awards was the editor-in-chief went through it in college so won some awards again and then i you know everyone hits that like i graduated high school and now i have to find my place in the world thing right yeah everyone hits that and it hit me like a I was a train going a hundred miles an hour that hit a brick wall. <laughs> just boom. I was like, Whoa, what the heck? Cause there was some other stuff that I was kind of grappling with when I was younger too. And I go, what is, what just happened? And I go, I, I need to figure out a way to process this. And for my entire life, I was also obsessed with film and reading. I was avid reader. I have a bookshelf behind me filled with books and it's, it's Same. the storytelling. Yeah, ex- exactly. Right. It's the storytelling thing. So I go, I relate and am able to identify with storytelling so much in such a profound way that it's it was how I was making sense of the world for my entire, you know, young life or whatever. Yeah. And then I go, I'm going to give this a shot myself. So then I started creative writing. I've I've literally I have written two books. They're complete crap, 
because I was teaching myself how to write, right? But I did it. Growth over 100,000 words, beginning, middle, end, whole thing. But they suck. I'm not going to show anyone. It's embarrassing, right? <laughs> and a lot of my friends were trying to start their own ventures and companies while this was happening. Everyone you know, was like, okay, I want to try to do this because we're in the internet world now and you can start a podcast, you can start a music representation company, right? For artists, you can do all these things. And they go, Ryan, you're a writer, right? I'm like, yeah. They go, will you write the stuff for my website? Or will you write this email campaign? Or will you deal with my social? And I was like, sure. I mean, you know, it's, it's easy for me to do it. I'll do it. I'll help you out, buddy, whatever. And then a couple years ago, it kind of hit me and I go, wait, I can make money off this. Hold on. Yeah, I can, you like, stumbled upon, like, <laughs> in my opinion, one of the most beloved and, like, important marketing jobs just like from yeah, creative writing. it was an accident That's awesome there, there's literally a blog on my website called how to become a copywriter by accident and it kind of chronicles everything i just talked about right it just it kind of happened and it, it was like i said it was a talent that turned into a passion that now is a business for me and it's it's a really cool thing that i'm really really kind of blessed to be able to do so it's it all worked out in the end you just you can't stop i wrote yeah. a book it sucked i wrote another one it sucked my friends asked me to write their stuff for them. It sucked in the beginning. It got good. And now I can do what I want to do because of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And for the listener, this is Ryan Love. He's the founder of Love I... Language Media. He's a copywriter, marketer, and and author me. of author of two shit books. Two also. shit books. One <laughs> two shit books, one short story that has been published. I'm shopping around another. Um the horror genre has a stigma around it so getting that second one published is yeah. going to be trickier than usual but you know <laughs> Dude, we're getting awesome there. so one yeah. thing i really like that you did um yeah that we talked about so on the very first thing th that you mentioned was the dream uh follow your passion not your dream so there's mm -hmm. this quote from tony fidel who was the product manager he was the not manager he was like the head of all product at apple i saw one of your former employers apple Yep. Uh, Tony Fidel was there when they made the iPhone. So he was like the product designer for the iPhone. And um, he also did the Nest, which he sold to Google for a couple billion. Uh, he did a whole bunch of different things. And I was reading his book. Yeah, uh, he's he's good at making products. So I was a couple billion, book. couple, you know, casually, a couple billion. <laughs> I was I was reading his book, Build, which is really awesome because it just chronicles like he he states he's like, I want you to see this book more as like a mentor than as like this is how you do a product or this I do. He's like, just listen to my stories. If it resonates, cool. He said this one quote that was so beautiful. It was your twenties is for watching your dreams go up in flames so that you can learn from the ashes. Yep. What my, my thing that one hit. <laughs> no, that no one it hit. hits. It's true. And as someone who's in the, the twilight of their twenties and wanting to vomit, just thinking about it, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's true it's it's a nightmare i'm 28 and i'm like oh boy um <laughs> my thing is just try everything like literally just try i have a quote on my laptop when you when i put the lock screen on it literally says if you've never failed you've never tried anything new mm. if something interests you just do it and and if it interests you empty the tank don't just dip your your toe in the uh, water that's a good one yeah right empty the tank always so like full throttle yeah Full throttle. I'm a writer. I want to publish books and have a copywriting business. Why not? I'm thinking I want to go back to school. Okay. Yesterday I had an interview, a group interview with Wharton, University of Pennsylvania, one of the best business schools in the country. 
Am, am I My a stellar school academic? going into college? Yeah, exactly. Am I a stellar academic? Am I a stellar academic? I'm not a stellar talker either. Um, <laughs> no, not by any means. But you might as well try to do the best that there is. There's no other option. My thing is yeah. like going going back to storytelling. When it's all said and done, and you run your race in life. You want to be able to have good stories to tell. That's it. Just do it. Be a, be comfortable yeah. with making yourself look like an idiot. It's okay. Nobody actually cares. So just try. That's so one thing that I've been doing lately is trying to find my talents and then see like what of that talent separates me. Like what's my mm-hmm. talent of that? And one thing, I mean t- talking is probably my number one. Um, not you are good at saying it. the right that. words, but like having conversations with people, that's the talent in there. Then another talent within that is I am good at asking questions and I ask myself like, why, what, what makes me, you know, unique with asking questions. And I've realized a big part of it is the, the non-biased part of it. I, mm. I feel like when I ask questions, it's cause I actually want to know not because I'm looking for a specific answer. And mm-hmm. you have a lot of conversations with people where you kind of feel like that judgment seeping in there and it kind of causes you to recline or like hold back a little bit. Um, I can't sit here and say I don't have the judgment, <laughs> but whenever I'm like getting to know someone, I, I do a really conscious job of like separating that from the curiosity. Uh, so when you're kind of assessing your own writing t- talent, what are some of the talents within that you know i am my own harshest critic i especially when i write fiction but also the copywriting it's it's a different means to the same end what i do especially with the fiction stuff is i look at it like i didn't create it and it's a very difficult thing to do but one of my one of my literature teachers told me this a long time ago she said don't be afraid to kill your darlings So just because you wrote something and did something doesn't mean it's good. And what I try to do is objectively look back and say, okay, if I was reading this and someone else wrote it, which I have a lot of editorial experience as well, obviously, right? So if I think if one of my writers presented me to the, this to me and I, you know, reading it, would I like it or would I absolutely eviscerate it? And I literally like I import to a PDF of what I've written. I throw it on my iPad and I have an Apple pencil and I, with the red writing, just start marking up everything. Um, and that seems to work for me. It is a, you know, it's something I had to learn how to do over the years. Um, I am pretty hard on myself, but also that allows me to really peel back the onion of what I'm trying to say and say it in the best way I can. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And copywriting, it's it's a little different. Go ahead. I was going to say you're able to kind of ask yourself like for a nonfiction, you're able to ask yourself, what does the book want rather than what mm-hmm. do I want? You're able mm-hmm. to kind of like carve that out. And I, I relate it to, so I also do a lot of music. I play in a band sometimes when nice. I'm a bass player, like I'm, yeah. my role is not to be doing lead and solos all the time. Like that's just not the bass's job. If I were doing that, it's because I'm trying to show off and I'm not listening to the music. The song wants something and your role is to provide it for the song. And, it, and what it sounds like you can do really well is you can, the book wants something. The book's already there. Like you're just there to serve 
the writing rather than being like, this is what I wanted to come out of this. Yeah, it's like for fiction, it's the characters exist. I'm just the arbiter of them and sharing their story. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not That's saying, awesome. oh, look what I can do with words. You know, it's it's just yeah. these people are there. There's a story there. What are they going to do? And I'm just here to translate that into something that is consumable. What I've What I've come to understand is that the first draft of anything you write, and this is with copywriting as well, the first draft of anything you write is a stream of consciousness that is your brain putting on the page what you're trying to say. And then you have to look back. Okay, this is what I really want this to be now. Let me write it again and say what I want to say without saying it. Right? So if you have a product, for example. Oh, that's cool. Right? So if you have a product, for example, the stream of conscious is going to be, this is the best product and this is why. No, no one cares that no, no one cares what you do or how you do it. It's why you do it. That's really what moves people. Right? So this is the best product and this is why. Okay. What does that product do? Okay. Here's the benefit from it. That's what I'm going to write down second. Here's what the benefit and here's how it's going to make your life, business, whatever function easier. How can I say that in the most pithy, catchy way? And what I'll do is I literally imagine, I wrote this in my blog, I imagine I'm sitting across the table from someone in a really crowded street. I'm, I go to Europe a lot, so I imagine I'm sitting in like a little cafe, people just walking by, cramped little streets. Yeah. And I, and I have like an elevator pitch moment where I have to tell them what this product does and its benefits and keep their attention while all these people and cars and noises are going by us. So it has to be quick, concise, but also memorable. And that's how I go about that process. Because it's, what do I want to say? What does this actually do? And then how am I going to say it in a way that people will relate and remember? And it takes a while. And I'm, I'm kind of a nut. But peeling back that onion, I've heard you talk in your podcast before about like first principles. It's kind of like that. Yeah. Where you have to peel back and be like, okay, what are we actually trying to say here? I've been doing that a lot through journaling with my thinking. I've been really trying to get clear of like how, where did these thoughts come from? I know I have, I've been paying attention. I've been paying a lot more attention to what I'm thinking, doing. Um, I'm trying to pay more attention to what I'm saying (laughs) when you have a podcast that seems important, but uh, a little bit, Uh, (laughs) but I'm just trying to write things down and then ask myself like, where is that from? How did, Mm -hmm. like, where did that come from? I mean, uh, yeah, even now I'm getting a little, okay, so back to, back to what, what you do. So when you're, when you're writing that first draft, Mm -hmm. you're, you're just getting it out there. You're just saying like, this is what I'm trying to say. And then the next iterations are going to be, why am I trying to say that? And then how do I say that so that someone else's attention is captured? Did I, did I get that correct? Yes. How do I say it without saying it in a way that catches someone's attention and is memorable? Got it. Two questions. One. Hit me. Why do you say it without directly saying it? I have an idea, but I'd like to hear it Mm -hmm. from you. And two, are those different drafts or are you like editing the first one and then moving on? Or are you like completely scrapping it and then going on? Yeah. um, First first answer to the first question. Um, Just inherently who I am, I'm kind of a brat. So when someone wags their finger at me and says, this has to be this because this, and you have to do this and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, I don't. 
So I, I, yeah. I translate that into my writing to where it's, it's, I mean, I don't want to be cliche, but you can, you know, teach a man how to fish or you can give him a fish, right? You, you can weed people to their own conclusion that you want, right? You can, oh, you can make someone think, oh, this is my conclusion, but really the words you put down on the page or screen or post or whatever are going to lead them to the conclusion that you want them to reach, right? Or you can say, our product is the best because of this. No one cares. Right. It's it's how do you capture that emotion and that drive of catching people's attention that makes them think what you want them to think? It's kind of sneaky, but that's what advertising is. That's what marketing is. Yeah. Right. It's yeah, just it, exactly. it, it is what it is. Right. And it doesn't have to be sneaky if you're genuine and you have a product and service that backs it up, which is what sets people apart. Right. My opinion, obviously, I'm biased. I used to work for them. Apple's got the best marketing in the world. It's so good. I, I look at all of their posters and the commercials and everything. It's just I'm a I'm a believer ugh. in that. When I'm when I'm yeah. doing landing pages or like talking about landing pages, the example I've been using lately is the difference between the Apple Watch eight and their Ultra, because it's damn near the same product. Not exactly, but very close. But the mm. the way that it's portrayed is so mm. radically different. Like you know exactly who they're targeting. The Apple Watch 8, the word rugged is used like four times versus, yep. or sorry, the Ultra versus the 8 where it's more on like the sleekness of it, the design. Like it's just, it's, I love it. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I, yeah. I too am an Apple fanboy, so uh, I'm, I'm also biased, but I, I really do think like, just look at their landing pages. It's, it's so good. They're fantastic. It's so good. But, it, uh, but caveat here, like I said, marketing, advertising could be sneaky. It's only that good because there's something that actually backs it up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is the unicorn in the world. And that's why they're Apple. Right. Uh, but the second question, you know, do I, is it the first draft? Is it editing? I mean, that just depends on how bad it is in the first draft. If there's something salvageable, I'll expand and edit it. If it's bad, I just, okay, this is what I want to say. Got it. New document. That's it. I mean, I, I told one of my friends, he wrote a screenplay once and it was a short and he's like, I finished my draft and I go, okay, delete it all and write it again because it probably sucks because you've never written a screenplay before, right? Yeah. It just depends on how bad that original thing is. I've gone through three drafts of a story. I've gone through 12 drafts of a story. It, it just depends. That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Now to to switch over to love language media. So what first of yeah. all is love your actual last name? Love is my actual last name. Yes, that's sick. That's sick. Yeah, it was. The, and I the really best like the gift my ever done. Go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> I really like the love language media. The name of that. So are you using like the concept of the four love languages in what you do, or is that because your last name's love and you're a writer? Love language. Still, Love it's, it's clever. Yeah. It's clever, but I, I like appreciate it. you know. I, I I would take credit for it, but I didn't pick my last name. It just kind of was given to me, so I rolled with it. If we're being honest, um, yeah. but also like, you know, if you go on like a dating app or something, there'll be like prompts. It says, "What's your love language?" And it's like, okay, what does that really mean, right? It, it's what you know. You, there's that old concept of the siren in like ancient Greece, right? Where there's like yeah. or your muse, excuse me, where like it inspires the sirens. You, you know, <laughs> the sirens will kill you. Yeah. Yeah, the sirens will kill you. Sorry, I should, I'm Greek. I should know that. But I, <laughs> word, you know, one more cup of coffee and I'll be good. Um, 
but of your muse, right? That thing that inspires you and uplifts you and fills mm-hmm. your chest and your heart with that sort of ah. It's like you've heard like flow state. It's kind of the same thing. We just made it all science yeah. now. Um, love language, marketing, advertising. What words make people feel that about a product or service or a company? Right. That's sort of where I got that. It's like okay, what's going to move people to you know buy? And move them to yeah. follow a company or a brand, stuff like that. So it's kind of a double entendre, but like I said, I don't want to t- take too much credit for it. It's just my name. What is, yeah. So what exactly does the company do? Is it primarily copywriting? Yeah, it's primarily copywriting. Um, we are interesting in that, you know, there's, you hear like influencers online, oh, you become a freelance copywriter, you know, do that, yeah. charge however much for a landing page or a website or a blog post. My thing, I'm really, really big on partnerships with clients and that sort of customer service, if you will, um, aspect of things that really grows companies together, especially when you're in the business of advertising and marketing. You like growing together is the name of the game. That's what you have to do. Because if you create a good piece of advertising and marketing, companies are going to grow. They're going to come back to you. Keep doing it. Right. It's, yeah. it's a mutually beneficial partnership. Yeah. I saw that. Um, I saw that with one of the previous guests who did social media marketing. He said his biggest success was helping his clients be successful. Exactly. And that that and we double down on that. That is our entire model because we offer unlimited copy for a flat rate. So, you know, I'm not going to charge you. I'm not going to nickel and dime and charge you for hours. I'm not going to, you know, charge you for research time and then writing time. It's almost like the mechanic. You bring your car to the mechanic and they charge you $180 just to plug in a meter to your car to see what's wrong with it. That's yeah. kind of what I equate it to, and I don't like it. So flat rate, whatever you need, we have a portal, submit it to us, and we'll write it. That's it. What determines the flat rate? Oh, we have pricing, but it's all the same for every client. Um, so we don't, we're not going to give more preference to a higher-paying client or lower-paying client. It's all the yeah. same. Yeah, so if you want to find out more, go to lovelanguagemedia.com slash contact, <laughs> and we'll talk. <laughs> there you go. Shameless plug. That is marketing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But okay, yeah. so how did this... How did the company itself get started? So you were talking with your friends. They wanted mm-hmm. uh, their copy improved and you noticed your talent in that. When did that, what was like the switch or the click in your head where you were like, oh, I should just go in on this? Uh, yeah. So I graduated college and got a nine to five at a tech company. And I thought I could be doing this myself for me and following my you know passion and talent and helping people grow alongside me, right? Um, I did a little bit of freelancing, full disclosure, to all the freelancers out there. Support you, appreciate you. I think you guys are awesome. Um, bigger risk takers than I am, if we're being honest, right? So, shouts out to you. Um, but I did some freelancing, and like what I was doing and what I earned on the side from that, I go, okay, if I could turn this into my life, I'll die happy. Like, that. this is it. Because I, I love what I'm yeah. doing. I love helping people grow. And I'm able to, you know, live a life that I want to lead. Just like I said earlier, just empty the tank. Just do it. Yeah, but damn, dude, that's what a realization, especially within your early to mid 20s. Like I'm 26 yeah. now and I'm okay. I'm still coming to that of it's like what would make me the happiest. Honestly, talking for a living, podcasting. Like that's why I'm starting to take it more seriously. Uh, just because I, I don't know, dude, something about like meeting people and like just hanging out on chat and just having like other people listen to conversations. That was another big thing for me is like, I've had so many conversations with people that I was like, wow, I wish I could share this because I learned a lot and I bet a bunch of other people would also learn a lot. 
Uh, so yeah. that's kind of how this started. But no, damn, like what a realization to have at a young age. It was a realization. And have you ever heard, yeah, obviously, cliche, but it's true. Everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I started working on this, you know, late last year. So six, seven months ago. And everything's established now, obviously. Um, and then we've all heard in the news, these rounds of layoffs. Guess what happened to me? Oh, yeah. Interesting. And I go, okay, I've been working on this. I've been exhausted working a nine to five and trying to set this up. And then one day I went into work and they go, you don't have a job anymore. Here's your severance. Be gone. And I thought this was supposed to happen. This is one of those moments, you know, where the stars actually aligned. And it's, I, I don't want to get into, you know, preaching faith too much to anybody, but it's, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine about this and after church one day. And I said, it's, it's a very weird thing when God gives you exactly what you ask for. Because yeah. it's it's the pr- the pressure's on you. It's like okay, you're in the middle of, of a stadium full of people, and then boom, spotlight. You got what you asked for. What are you gonna do? Yeah, make it count. There, you know, there. I there's this quote. Um, I th- I think it's a Arabic proverb. It's some kind of proverb where it's there are two, and it, and there are two problems in life: not getting mm. what you want and getting what you want. Yeah. That's and exactly. yeah, I, I I agree. Like when you finally get what you want, then it's like, oh, now what? But at the same time, yes, we can um, we can get into your faith as you want. I'm so one of the things I'm trying to do with the show is yeah. talk about health, and I believe a very important part of health is your spiritual health, uh, whatever that may be to you. I'm guessing Greek Orthodox, just seeing that your your family's Greek. Yeah. I was as the as the dad from my big fat Greek wedding would say I I was baptized in the Greek Orthodox Church right um, don't let my name fool you folks I I am I am Greek um, you know for me my journey well the with Greeks did has, have like eight words for love so there's eight words for love there's three words four words excuse me three no there's three words to say when there's a question a statement and then a before and after when but. The word to do also means does clothes fit you. It also means to go swimming. It also means to take a shower. And the word for sense as in money and minutes as in time is the same. Don't ask me why, but that's what that is. So welcome to welcome to Greek 101, one of the oldest languages in the world. Um, Doesn't make sense. <laughs> no, but you just have to roll with it. Um, you know, my my journey with faith has kind of come on similar to my journey with entrepreneurship and writing and everything. It's it's for a while there, for many years, I was very absent. That part of my life was very absent. Um, I did not really pay attention to participate or really anything. Um, obviously, you know, it's Easter, Christos and Nesty. Sure. What does that really mean though, right? Um, but when I was, you know, doing this love language thing and getting all this set up, I found myself exhausted and I I needed a place to go literally but also spiritually for the why aspect of my life hmm. not just the what and how and it goes back to what i said about companies like no one cares what you do or how you do it it's why um i believe that in life as well you can know the what and how of your life but when you don't have a solid foundation of a why everything just kind of falls into the nether yeah right you get that um, existential crisis mhm and it started out for me, I started going to church with some friends of mine, um, a couple of my Greeks, 
And at first, I found myself really anxious. Like my mind just starts racing. I don't know why, but I'd be sitting in church for service and my mind would just be going, okay, I have to do this and this and this and this and this. And I knew there was a there there when this has happened a few months ago. I was standing in church. I was standing there and I was leaning up against a pillar in the back of the church, standing there in the pews. And I involuntarily fell into deep prayer. And I don't know what that means or why or anything, but I am just, my eyes closed and just stream of conscious just started coming out. And it, it was a very interesting, profound experience. And when I finally like came to again, I almost blacked out. I was like, you know, what the heck just happened? And th there's a there there. And I don't know why, but I'm going to keep following it because it made me feel more fulfilled. It gave me a why. And then like two weeks later, I got laid off. So maybe that's, you know, the, the why <laughs> all like just coming into yeah. one. So I'm not here to, you know, be a theologian or anything. I have no idea, but. For me, having that basis and that starting point of why in my life has paid dividends already. Yeah. So that's my thing. And going back to the, the first principles concept, I've been yeah. getting a, so a big part of why I've been journaling and why I've been trying to figure things out is I'm trying to get to the bottom of why do I believe what I believe? Is it because it was instilled into me or is it because it's something that I today, the present version of me, believes in it? Sometimes it was something that 12-year-old me believes and it's not something I believe now, but I still hold on to it. So I'm just trying to get to the to the root of a lot of that. And I mean, that's one of the reasons I'm so curious to ask people about their own religion or spirituality or like whatever it is they believe in. Because mm -hmm. oftentimes I notice that pattern of it was instilled in upon me, so I believed. Mm -hmm. Then I started questioning everything, kind of lost my way, and now it's like I'm finding my own version of that belief. And it feels like that's something that, that you've been doing lately. It is something I've been doing, it is, and I love that journey for you because what I think it underscores is that every society in the history of the world has had a religion, some sort of, you know, superordinate metaphysical belief system of how the world works, right? That is above everything else. Um, if you actually look at all of these religions, whether it's Christianity, Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, whatever, they all generally teach at the root, the first principles, they all generally teach the same thing. Dude, I've been saying same book, different language for years. Yeah, literally different language, but yes, you're right. And I think the reason is because they tell stories and give us examples of fundamental universal truths about us, about the world, and how we interact and operate and what is good, no matter what. And I think you have to you know, one, my, my priest said something very profound once. He said, faith takes curiosity, but it also takes courage because you have to be able to peel back the onion on yourself. And that's the yeah. hardest thing for anybody to do, myself included. Myself because it, it requires and I try. looking. Yeah, and it's very difficult because you have to look in the mirror and say, okay, what are my pre and, you know preconceived beliefs? Am I 
kind of have an, you know, F the man thing going on with faith. Like, oh, who is someone to tell me how to live, right? Well, actually, there's been billions of people before you on this earth and they might know a thing or two. Yeah. Right? A big thing about peeling the onion for me too is being able to stare at the the sides of you or the versions of you, the, the person that you don't like and mm-hmm. be able to say, that's a part of me too. Yeah, you're absolutely right. For anyone that may not be religiously bent, totally fine, not here to judge anybody. Um, look up Carl Jung, the psychologist, in the shadow because that's exactly what that is. And he kind of breaks that yeah. down really brilliantly. Um, there is there is a there is a shadow part to everybody, you, me, everybody, and you have to acknowledge it or else it'll consume you. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with that. Yeah. Um. So on to your physical health and something that you told me on the pre-call that adds yeah. an interesting element to your entrepreneurial journey is that throughout your mm-hmm. life you've been you have two autoimmune disorders and that impacted your health a lot. So what um, kind of what's that health? journey been like for you yeah so i'll be open and honest i tell everybody so it's totally fine i was born with uh, rheumatoid arthritis and ulcerative colitis um doctors gave me a cane to walk when i was seven years old um spent yeah spent a pretty decent amount of my life from you know zero to 16 in the hospital whether visits stays surgeries things like that um didn't really it's, it's a weird now that i look back on it and reflect it's a weird thing because I didn't really get to be a person until I was about 16. So I was just kind of, you know, it's if, if I was to chronicle the first chapter of my life with just like the title of a chapter in a book, it would just be survival because like, and don't get me wrong, like, you know, life stuff. I never had to worry about a roof over my head, food on the table, stuff like that was all fine. But it was just like, there was like this thing there that was always affecting me, right? That I had to fight against. And that's where I fell in love with storytelling, you you know, music. I imagine you knew not many other of your peers had to go through this at all. Oh, literally no one that I know of. Like literally no one. People are really kind of embarrassed and don't, I've, since I've kind of gone through this journey, other people have come to me and say, hey, I have this. I personally, I mean, I'm very open. Obviously, I'm here telling the entire internet about my life. Yeah. But people are embarrassed about it and I get it. The subject matter isn't exactly the sexiest. Um, so I totally get it, but I've never had a problem sharing it. Um, but you know, I was 300 pounds when I was 16 years old because of this, I couldn't really exercise or do anything. Um, and then when I was 16, I had my entire large intestine removed all 10 feet of it. Damn. Um, Yeah, it was, it was a time in my life that I don't remember because drugs are a thing. Um, (laughs) drugs and repression, baby. Yeah, that's right, buddy. Um, yeah, there's about five days there that basically don't exist. Um, but you know, since then, like I have to exercise every day to keep my stomach kind of in check. I have to be mindful of what I'm eating. Obviously I can't go crazy. Um, so it's just a fact of my life that I have to pay attention to those things or else I wouldn't just be able to function. So yeah, I was going to say, you look great now. I would have never guessed. Hey, I appreciate that, buddy. You know, I appreciate that. Um, but it's just, it, and it, it goes back to what we were saying earlier. It's empty the tank, you know, do something hard every day. Because that object in motion, right? Both physically and mentally. Do something hard every day. So, like, I go to the gym. I wake up in the morning, pre-workout. I'm at the gym lifting weights, right? I'm doing something hard to start my day every day. And from there, the, the boulder just starts rolling. And it's, 
just, okay, what's next? What do we have to do today? Something for the business, something for personal, like, what is it, you know, mm-hmm. what comes next? But having that baseline of like, I accomplished something today. I, I PR'd, I lifted more than I ever have. Like, that's a great sort of way to just start things off in the day. And I remember we when we got on our pre-call, you just got back from the gym. I imagine it's the same thing for you. Yeah. Yeah, I... There is a very distinct di- difference on the days where I go to the gym when I wake up and when I don't. Mm. I have a pretty, it's like I, gym, writing, praying, slash meditating, that's kind of my, the three big, big things I have to do every morning. Mm-hmm. And dude, I got to say the, the one where I notice actually the most benefits, well, they're, they're all beneficial. But the one that I I am most likely to skip, and am not, uh, and and I often talk about, oh God, I don't want to do this, is the writing part, because I really enjoy it, but I use it as a way of like, just putting a, a magnifying glass on myself, and sometimes mm-hmm. it's really fun, and I'm like, oh, this is good, like I'm dope, I'm doing great stuff. Other times I'm like. I really don't want to look at this right now. I really, and like the very fact that I want to ignore it is why I should be doing this. Uh, but it's, it, who would have thought writing is hard, dude? It's hard. Like it's difficult. I do like a physical journal and I write like three pages, which takes like 30 to 40 minutes. Um, but that's <clears> like the hard thing I do in the mornings that actually like really helps me out. Have you found it's gotten easier as you've done it more? Yeah. I found that for many years, I was not really saying much because I didn't want to go in. So I would just talk about like what happened the previous day, how it made me feel, what I'm going to do today, things like that. But when I really started like digging, like actually digging, I found this very much a newfound joy, but there's also a feeling of like some apprehension. Definitely. I love that you're on that journey. And what I can impart to you is that writing is hard because do you know what writing actually is? Thinking. Writing is thinking. It's the physical manifestation of thought. Yeah. And to go, I love how you, you know, the first principles thing, peeling back that onion. If you really want to get some good writing done, you got to think about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. For better or worse. And nobody wants to do that. Dude, you should... If you think I'm asking good questions now, you should see (laughs) the type of stuff I'm asking myself. Dude, that's kind of how I started. That's what changed. That's what changed. And how Mm. I started getting better at writing and like thinking and asking myself is like, if you were interviewing yourself, what would you be writing about? Or like, what would you be asking? And then getting just like real deep with those questions. Like, that's how I do my writing now. And it... uh, Dude, it's it's been awesome. Because the thing hate, is, I like awesome. <laughs> it's it's you hate it because it makes you confront what you don't want to confront. Yeah, and 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 that's the thing. It's like everybody actually knows why they're stressed out. Like I don't want to say what's wrong yeah. with them because that's a little crude. But like every you you know, you yeah. just don't want to say yeah. it, right? You don't you don't want to acknowledge and do that. But writing for me, like last night, sometimes when I like anxious before I go to bed because there's so many things going on and I have to do this and that and this and that. And I'm like, God, why did I do that today? So dumb. I know exactly why I did what I didn't like that day. I know exactly why I did it. So what I do, and I try this and let me know if it works for you. I'll do a stream of conscience, like confession on like a note on my laptop. 
and just, I did this because of this and I, this happens because of this and it needs to stop because blah, blah, blah. And then you know what I do? I delete it. I have the stream of conscious. <laughs> I delete it. I just, I delete it because I understand why that negative behavior or thought is happening. I acknowledged it and then I delete it because now I'm going to move on. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Just, yeah, that's gone. I, I definitely see there's some value in that because I'm very much so on the sense of like, I have to physically, like I have to keep it. I have to like, there has to be proof and there like something I can learn from in the future. But at the same time, that does stop me from writing certain things because I'm like, I don't want that. I don't like, I just don't want, I I don't want to see it, but like, I don't want anyone to see that. And so I feel like the, the deleting or, Another thing that I'd want to try is like writing some kind of entry and then burning it, like just some form of release, let go. Like Erasure. this is the out there, like I put it there, but like no one's going to have to see it. That's something that I think uh, would be really sweet. That would be. And I, 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 like I said, it's, it's therapeutic because it, if you were able to delete it or burn it or whatever after, it's like a secret that you have with the world. It's just a, between <laughs> you and the world or you and God or whatever, you know, whatever you believe. I'm not here to tell anyone what to think. But it's like a secret. You confess the secret and then you move on. Yeah. And then you're better We're for it. We're not here to tell anyone what, what they think, but we are here to tell you to think for yourself by writing. But, oh, ooh, yes. Get that engraved in bronze and put it on the wall. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it. So what is your, I'm curious, you know, I love workout, pray, write, think, reflect, um, the meditation and stuff, whether it's prayer or meditation, like what does that look like for you? Are you talking to any specific faith or are you just kind of doing a worldly self-reflection and like... Yeah, so I've never actually talked about this. I mean, I mean talk that I do like prayers that are kind of like... So I've been getting more in my sense of writing and beliefs. I've been trying yeah. to define like, okay, what is spirituality to me? I was raised by the Catholic faith. My mom yeah. around communion gave us, my brothers and I, she gave us all the choice. She was like, all right, this is what first communion's about. You get to pick, like, is this your faith? Do you guys want to keep going to church? And we were all like, nah, we're good. Okay. I very much like that she gave me the foundation, but also respected our decision to continue the path on their own way. As that progressed, I tried to see, like, what do I believe in? I took an Eastern philosophy class in college and nice. I really resonated with a lot of like Buddhist and Zen Buddhist kind of philosophies, even Taoism. Like there are parts and elements to Taoism where I was like, this, this is just beautiful. I don't know why. Again, it's the same words. It's the same book. It's just different words. Like sometimes those words just, I felt it. And mm -hmm. so now I, I I learned a little bit about Hinduism and I really liked some of the, the Hindu deities. So, so I do sometimes pray to Hindu gods and I do sometimes pray to like the Virgin Mary. That's a, a very Hispanic thing. Like Virgen de Guadalupe. Um, <laughs> that was one that nice. was brought to me by my mom. Sometimes it's just to my own spirit, whatever that may be. Like I just kind of pick whatever I'm feeling in the moment and whatever kind of mindset i want to evoke at that time like each one has a certain feeling for me or a certain like mm -hmm. need like right now you know let's say i 
feel like love is missing in my life or let's say i feel like direction or professionalism i say i feel like discipline is like every kind of prayer or deity has that for me and so it's more of a me bringing out like something's missing in myself this is what i want that's kind of what i do when i pray and I, i'll pause right there what just because i feel like you have some thoughts no, I'm the thing I'm curious about is we've established that same song, the same book, different language, same song, different key, what have you, right? Yeah. If if these are teaching fundamental universal truths that exist everywhere and are acknowledged everywhere, why the focus on one particular depending on how you're feeling? I love the stuff you said about Taoism. I definitely think there's a there there and there's a lot of really really compelling stuff. Um why the switching off instead of, you know, finding the way that universal truth is expressed in one particular faith or spiritual practice? You know what I mean? That's a good question. I I haven't I haven't actually dialed I don't have a true answer to that, so what you're going to hear is like my initial thoughts. I that's something that I'm definitely going to have to like dig into. I like the the fact that it feels more me because I can customize it to me and just whatever I resonate with. And I like the fact that they all serve as like different channels. But the more I dig deeper, the more I realize like I don't need anyone at all in general. My How I define spirituality and like my... Because I wouldn't put it specifically into one religion. I would say it's like a general sense of spirituality. It's this belief of like some sort of higher being or consciousness has my best interest in mind and Mm -hmm. praying is a way for me to communicate with that and i say being or consciousness because it's just something outside of what i'm like consciously aware of sometimes i question and wonder if that being is really just me all along like the deep down subconscious or unconscious that wants the best for me um and in some way shape or form if i pray i'm talking to that and then the right stuff just starts appearing for me. I love that because what, what I think that is, is you're, you're a hundred percent, right? It is the subconscious you. I also like to think of it as the you that you want to be. Yeah. And when you talk to it more, you bring it out more. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. That's why I journal. Cause I, I feel like, um, I was, I was reading this, I'm, oh, well, if you're a writer, I'm sure you've read Wait But Why, Tim Urban's blog. Little there bit. is the there is the the one on on like choosing your career path I thought was really interesting because he talks about like when you're digging deep into the different parts of your subconscious, it's like your basement. Uh, you can go down there. And if you haven't been down there in a while, it might be dark and you don't recognize certain stuff, but like you can go down there. And the more you go down, the more familiar you get with everything there. So it's like a lot of people, I would I would assume, believe your subconscious is unaccessible, in which case I would say maybe you just don't access it. But and it the way it's accessed is through, is, through is through prayer and reflection and meditation yeah. or spiritual acknowledgement, whatever. Um, I love that. And, you know, to pivot kind of, but not really what I've found is the more deep down I went in that realm regarding career, um, it brought me to a place where I started believing in a vocation more than a specific career. Does that a make vocation? sense? 
a vocation. And a vocation doesn't have to be a blue-collar physical labor thing. My vocation, I'm a writer. You put, you ask me to write something, you put a Microsoft Word document in front of me, it's getting done, right? So I'm like, what can I do with that? It turns out a lot, right? So now we have love language, creative stuff, right? But it all goes back to that one central thing. And I think if people mm. aren't afraid to go into that basement and find what it is, they'll be happier and more successful in their career because if you do something just for the money, you're not going to be good at it. If you do something because you love it, world's your oyster. But the way you yeah. find it is by going into that basement. Yeah. And I've noticed a lot of times, I mean, my brother's a great example. When you do what you love for the purpose of, like, like he loves exploring himself through his art. And it's really interesting mm -hmm. that some of where the best art comes is when he's like just expressing what he's feeling, making music off of that. Knowing him, if like money wasn't a thing and he didn't have to get paid or anything, like he would still be doing music. It doesn't like that's not his why. That's not why he does it. But the more he does that, the more money just starts showing up. Yep. And I would say to people, like, if you're doing it for money, it kind of escapes you, but when you're doing it for yourself, the money shows up. Like the everything else kind of takes care of itself. I don't know how to. I, I wouldn't have the words to explain why that is. I. That's above me. That's just like that aligns with how I've lived my life and what I seem to believe. And yeah, that's just what I see. I mean, it. As far as I can tell, and feel free to tell me if I'm wrong, but like. The more you do something because you love it, the better you'll get at it, and people will pay you to do it for them. That's kind of the the hard line yeah. economic textbook thing of it, right? Simplify that down. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, it's it's kind of crude and you know, you know, concrete. But in the terms of just like if we're talking about money, like making money and being successful, as far as I can tell, that's what that is. Just dude, going but, going back to the bell curve. It's yeah, both sides. It's like. You do what you love, you get good, you make money. The middle is where people are like, yeah, but like, how do you do it? Like, where does the money come from? And all this. And like the other sides are both just like, eh, just do what you love. You'll make money. Just do just do what you love. And it's it's do what you love. And to get out of that center bell curve, just be uncomfortable, be comfortable. Like I said, being exhausted and making yourself look like an idiot. Yeah. Those are because peeling back the onion, right? Those are. Like, why are people afraid to do this? Because they don't want people to see them do it. Why? Because they don't want to make themselves look like an idiot. Okay, well, if you get comfortable with that, then you can try to actually just go full force on what you want to do. Yeah. Like, the scariest thing I've ever done with my in, in my entire life, one of the scariest things, was posting about love language on LinkedIn for the first time after I got laid off. Because I go, okay, friends, family, professional network are on here. I'm going to be like, hey, yeah. guess what I did? I started a business. Well, a cousin at, at <laughs> a, family, a family wedding a couple a month ago, one of my cousins that I had not talked to about it at all and I don't have on LinkedIn was like, Ryan, I heard you started a business. And I was like, oh God. <laughs> like, how do you know about that? Here we right? Go. Yeah. So yeah. that's, you know, you just got to put your head down and just grind through it and be like, yeah, well, at least I yeah. tried. And that reminds me of a thought that I had earlier. Part of why I was mentioning the, the judgment thing of the questions, like how I separate my judgment from the curiosity that's the sauce to being comfortable looking like an idiot is accepting the fact that, yeah, sometimes you ask a question and you will look like an idiot, but by asking that question and just being okay with that, like understanding the curiosity, 
that's way more important than how other people see you or how you kind of like maybe even you see yourself or how you feel about it. I think it's, I don't know. I value curiosity so highly that I would rather learn or satiate that than, you know, be a fool. Curiosity is, is what you've heard the concept of a lifelong learner. Curiosity is what fuels that you can't like move forward in life. If you're not curious about new things and what's next. If you're not yeah. and you just stay in the bubble, you're just going to stay in the same place. Yeah. That you makes know? sense. And like, and if, and if anyone ever harps, and this is my parting wisdom from a budding unemployed 28-year-old entrepreneur. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, if anyone, like, if you try something new or you do something and someone's on the sidelines talking smack about you because you tried, that makes them look like the ass. Not you. Like no, no, no one hates on you from above. It's always down below. If someone's above you or farther ahead of you, they're either going to help you or just flat out ignore you. But the people that are yeah. hating on you for trying new things and trying to stick yourself out there, they're the ones that don't have the courage to do it or the creativity or the mindset or anything. So don't like just know at the end of the day, when people are putting their heads on their pillow, they're not going to think about you trying. They're going to think about the person that made themselves look like a jerk. Yeah. Unless they are the jerk, then they'll think about you trying. But either way, like, <laughs> Just try. Just try. That's that's a Just good try. Yeah, I do like that. That's very similar to um, if you've ever read Darren Greatly by Brene Brown. She kind of talks about being mm. in the ring, and it's uh, like it takes a lot of courage to put yourself in the ring when you're when you're fighting because you you gotta accept the fact that like you're gonna get smacked down every once in a while. Yeah. But anyone who's shitting on you from the sidelines, unless they're in the ring, they don't really have much to say. Yeah, it's it's the the great oration by Teddy Roosevelt that is on my wall that I'm looking at right now. The man in the arena, right? Mm, yeah, yeah. That that's where she she takes it from. That so that that makes sense. Yeah, it's you know you you it's it's not the the brave man that gets in the arena and stumbles and fails. That is you know the lesser person. It's the guy that's on the sidelines, yeah. just too timid and you know cold to know defeat or victory. You're just kind of there. So that's kind of my mentality going into it. I just. And there, there's going to be people when you start on this journey that are going to look down on you for doing it. But those are the people that, you know, don't have your back and you don't yeah. want around you because they're just talking crap. That's my thing. Yeah, those are the people that you, you won't see them when you're at the top. Mm-hmm. That's right. All right, yeah. Ryan, we just got a couple of quick closing questions. Hit me, man. Before wrapping up the show. All right. What kind of music do you listen to? I listen to everything except for R&B. Everything except R&B. That's yeah. different from everything except country. So why R&B? Why no uh, R&B? Because I don't like happy love songs. <laughs> and a lot of R&B is happy love songs. <laughs> Your last name. There's so many jokes there. I know. Oh, I know. I'm, I'm a walking contradiction. But like, I just, I don't know. And I don't like, and none of the stories I write have happy endings either. So maybe it's just, maybe I have issues. I don't know. But like. <laughs> no wonder you like horror. Yeah. All right. But, um. I don't know. Other than that, I, I've been playing music since I was nine years old. I have two guitars in my room that I'm looking at right now. Oh, um, nice. Yeah. So I like today at the gym, I had on like Kendrick Lamar. And then I switched to like Tyler Childers, who's like this backwoods, West Virginia, Appalachian country. Just, yeah, you know, talking about pills and moonshine. One of those. Right. So it, it just depends on my mood and what I'm feeling. Dude, I've said this before. 
talk about same book, different language is rap and country, dude. It's drugs, sex, and rock and roll. I swear. it's the, They oh, talk yeah. about the same stuff. Cars, mm-hmm. women, partying. It's just such a different language. It's 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 a different language, but it's also, you know, if you go back to the roots of it, it's goes back to the history of this country and what, you know, the history around slavery and everything looks like too. And it's it, it's fascinating. I've read like four books on this subject and how it all stems from that. It's it's fascinating. I could do a whole podcast. Yeah, about, I gotta but, I gotta check yeah. out gotta check out the books. Uh, yeah, speaking I'll of which, you, I got you. Yeah. What books are you reading right now? Um, I always switch off between fiction nonfiction so i'll read a fiction book that's really Mm -hmm. dense and heavy and then i'll read a nonfiction book that's dense and heavy about something i'm interested in so right now i'm reading god let me pull it up on my ipad right now i have it it is called um finish what you start by peter holland it's basically about falling through and really kind of you know what when you get to that bell curve where you want to stop and just say i'll just stay here in the middle right it's about getting over the hump into the jedi master territory yeah, so that's what I'm reading at the moment. Yeah, I wonder does he, does he mention at all the prioritization or like picking what areas you want to finish where you start? Because I do notice that I have a tendency to overextend what I think I can do, and then mm-hmm. I'm trying to get really good at all these things where it would be more valuable to just get good at one. Yeah, he addresses that, and he says focus on three things a day, three big things a day max. Hmm. Yeah, so like. I, I I'd cram my calendar with like seven, eight things and I'd look at my calendar in the morning and be like, oh my God. But now it's like three things, really focus. And then you'll start to get really good yeah. at those three things and then you can move on. Um, yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah. What uh, what movies or TV shows do you recommend for the audience out there? Oh, my goodness. Um, television shows. I just finished this Stephen King show on HBO called The Outsider. Um, as with a lot of Stephen King books, and I love Stephen King, it starts off really compelling and then it ends up with a monster in a cave. And I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, but the journey there is great. So if you want to watch that, that's a good one. Uh, in regards to movies, uh, I had a self-care last Friday. Um, we were talking about health and stuff like that. Don't get me wrong. Every now and again, and I'm you know 100 pounds less than I used to be, but people hear me out. Every now and again, you got to... Get a tub of Ben and Jerry's, sit in front of your TV, and just send it, okay? It happens. I don't make the <laughs> rules. It just it happens, okay? 1,300 calories, I'll never get back, but what are you going to do? Um, I did that, and I watched a movie by Greta Gerwig called Lady Bird, um, starring Saoirse Ronan, who I have the fattest crush on. Um, that movie, for me, it's 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 the muse that we go back and talk about. It's about this yeah, girl in Sacramento, California. Highly recommend it. It's only an hour and a half, but... It's about a girl nice. in Sacramento, which is about two hours from where I am right now, Sacramento, California. Um, and the journey she's going as she's leaving high school, starting college, trying to find herself and her identity and who she is. Um, Lady Bird is the nickname she d- ascribes to herself, not Christine, which is actually her name, which kind of tells you a lot about the character, right? And it's a struggle about, you know, the movie about the struggles, relationships with parents, you know, economic situations you know, going to college, finding herself, going through life. And every scene is like a picture frame. And it's, it is just, it, I hate to sound corny, but that movie just makes my heart sing. So it's the, highly recommend. That sounds like the, the story of just the existential crisis that you feel going into post-college. Yeah. 
Yeah, it is. And it's it's existential crisis. It's coming of age. I love coming to age movies. I don't know why, but I do. So that movie just hits that spot for me every time I watch it. Never get old. Sweet. And yeah. uh, last question is, where can people find you? Yeah, um, I am on. Well, I'm. that's another thing. I'm not particularly big on social media. You can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, you can find me uh, lovelanguagemedia.com. All one word. Conventional spelling. Nothing crazy. Um yeah, that's where I that's where I'm hanging out. Sweet. And I saw you have a podcast as well. I used to have a podcast. Once upon a time I hosted a podcast for about a year, but I was on it for three years and we discussed movies entirely. That's all we talked about was a movie a podcast. That's sick. Yeah. So I Is it, I kinda, is it still whole, out there? You wanna send people there? It is, no. it is not still out there. No, it was taken down <laughs> um, because we left and the owner of the company who's my friend who I wrote the copy for, see how it all kind of ties together. Um, yeah, he took it down because he's like, I'm not going to pay to host this if you're not going to do anything anymore. It's like, that's fair. Um, yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah, the whole storytelling thing is kind of my, my jam. So if you want to great stories about your brand, give me a call. We'll, we'll get you going. That's right. All right. Yeah. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for this. was an awesome episode. It was great meeting you. Great talking. I'm an absolute pleasure. Do me a favor. When you come up to the Bay Area, let's hang out. We will. I'll hit you up October to December. I'll be there. I get back in September. So done deal. All right. Peace out, Ryan. All right, buddy.